<laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode number 44 of the ETPHD team podcast, all years worth of podcasts thus far, um, with myself and Anna. Hi, Anna. Hello. How are you? Oh, it's going to be one of those. One of those. Just going for it. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am okay, thank you. I feel like I've been hit by a bus this week because I've been back training. <laughs> so, yeah. All have, you, have you enjoyed it or has it just been just exhausting? No, I have enjoyed it. Um, I think partially because I'm in a different gym, so it's quite no, nice not knowing anyone and you can just get your head down and get to it. And equally, I well spoke to you earlier in the week about it I am now being coached so I have to be accountable and actually work hard and do the stuff that I don't like to do <laughs> do you know what it's quite nice when you do going when you go through it yourself because you it gives you a reminder of it's obviously we know right we've been clients before so we know what it feels like to be coached by someone but it's always nice to get a bit of a refresher that's like oh this is what it feels like this is this is what I need and this is what I want to do more of as a coach etc cetera, etc cetera. it's always quite a nice refresher yeah <laughs> maybe nice isn't not right sure I'm that, that part yet <laughs> you will get there I'm sure I'm sure I got there oh 100 <laughs> um I had um I had my first therapy session today for the first time in like a month because I get them through my 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 studying and we've been mm-hmm. off for three weeks and weeks and I haven't done it and I went into it kind of just like, "Mm, I'll just maybe talk about this because a few things have come up this week. Um, And I had like a complete revelation. Again, it's so funny, I think, with therapy, how you can think that everything is fine. Fine, I don't mean like Ross Geller fine. I mean, you genuinely think things are fine. And then something comes up and you're like, oh God, like I've never dealt with that before. And it's like, oh, now I have to figure all of that out. Like, how do I do this? And this was something for me that had come up from like three years ago, like a relationship three years ago. And it's been manifested in my actions since then. But I've, and as much as I acknowledged it, I never realized how much it was impacting my actions. And then um, yeah. I'm in like a situation now where I'm like really noticing how it's impacting me. And I'm like, oh, I've got a lot of stuff to deal with. And then I got off out <laughs> of therapy class. I spent an hour journaling crying not even like in a crying like oh my god sadness way just in like a you know when you journal and you get really into it and you're just like a release mm. way and I haven't yeah, done yeah. that in ages and I was like oh there's a lot in there that I needed to get out onto paper so then I went and got a fish supper um well according to English people it's a fish dinner what do you call it supper okay good because fish dinner really upsets me and then I really didn't want to even say the words I was like oh this is what they call it but a fish dinner here has mushy peas already in it so I'm keen for that but um yeah it does kind of reminds me of school dinners and it gives me the heebie-jeebies but you know what it's like food is needed for comfort and it was genuine comfort 100 percent. yeah I'm a bit of a carb coma now I was gonna say is like dinner supper a north south thing or well supper's a scottish thing so then maybe Mm. it's like supper scots and then like northern england is like dinner and then southern are you southern Southern. i'm in the middle i think i think dinner is an anomaly (laughs) i'm gonna put it out there i think that's weird um however it tasted delicious so that was fine it Um, looked good i did see it it it, looked very good (laughs) it was very good and i'm not eating like i don't really eat mere fish anymore so it was like "Mm, do i want this fish and then i got it i was like oh why have i not eaten this in so long so good (laughs) now i feel refreshed slightly carb coma but refreshed um should we just crack on with questions today Mm, yeah yeah do you want to go first yes i'm gonna start with a training one um I know for a change of pace because we do actually do that right (laughs) (laughs) um as many reps as possible um reps in reserve never know where to start out on the weights when it's a new exercise find it hard to figure out a good place to start and would progression aim to be increasing reps or increasing weight okay good question I think often when people send their training logs, they think that we're looking for like a specific number, like of like a specific weight lifted. And and they sort of sometimes people look for like reassurance that oh, is my hip thrust 
like about the right weight. And it's like, realistically, I don't have a perceived weight. I can tell if, so. you know, if you're hip thrusting, very minimal, right? If you're hip thrusting like 10 kilos and you've been weight training for a while, then yes, that would be a red flag. But, and you never objectively look at someone's numbers. It's more about like looking at the trend over time. So it's not like, sometimes people will say, what weight should I roughly be starting on and and like this kind of setting and it's like well there isn't an objective number here I think you just have to kind of work up to working sets so like look at it and and just go like go really like the first set and it really is gauging it off that and then thinking right well I'll try and double that and just see where I'm at with that and allow yourself especially the first week that you train like allow yourself the time to work up so that when you do get to the rough weight that you think okay, I guess I could probably do eight reps here. Then they're your two working sets. Um, I don't have another more objective way of doing it. Do you? No, I think obviously with our training as well, we don't, we keep the same kind of movement. So nothing's going to be that new. You're going to have a relatively good gauge as to where you're at already. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Um. And in terms of progression, you can progress in so many ways. Like you can progress in weight, you can progress in reps. Excuse me. <coughs> I just, maybe there's a rogue mushy pee in my mouth. <laughs> and that is how classy I am. Um, maybe it, like maybe reps, maybe weight, maybe reduced rest, um, maybe increased time under tension. There are so many ways you can do it. Increased, uh, sorry, enhanced form is one that's often missed. Like if you're doing say you're doing squats and you haven't done them in ages or at all and you keep the same weight all the way through but your form infinitely improves over the three or four weeks and that's still progressively overloading that so as long as you're progressively overloading in some way then that's what's important usually I think when you start a training program it's, it's easier to jump up weight straight away because there's like that learning curve at the beginning of a training session a training program where you're getting used to the to the left and so you can progress quicker and I think sometimes people can hold off putting weight on and just increase reps when really, if people came to the sub to shove, they could just increase the weight and probably still do the same number of reps. But I think that comes from confidence with just from training for longer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, okay. <clears throat> um, I heard on a podcast a woman about 70 kilograms exercising four to five times a week plenty of steps might need 2400 calories for maintenance i'm significantly lighter um and exercise the same amount but don't do as many steps i aim for more calories why do some people need to eat more is it just down genes um not really when you look at the differences in metabolism and genetically hi dog um, yeah. And <laughs> um, when you look at the differences in metabolism genetically, when people say oh, you've got a fast metabolism, you've got slow metabolism, it's really the difference of a couple of hundred calories between two people of the same size. It's people really overestimate, and it's the same with muscle mass. It's like ten kilos of muscle mass is something like at rest an extra hundred calories a day max. Ten kilos of muscle, like that's a lot of muscle to gain. Uh, over the course of your whole lifting career you probably are not going to gain 10 kilos of muscle um but often people just anticipate it to be a lot more so it's not really that but genes can play a role in things like um your neat levels your hunger levels um so it could be for example that one person has a much higher neat like not even steps but just fidgeting um, for example, like that can increase your calorie output. And there has been research on that that looks at that and it is things like fidgeting or someone might take the stairs rather than take the lift, like tiny little things that are subconscious that can contribute to it. And also when someone says I'm training this many times a week, it's like, well, what's your training load? Like, How hard are you training? This could be someone going to the gym and doing like quite a light session. Um, you, like there's so many variables in there. Um, and also so like, calorie calorie targets are all estimations people ask me all the time like what's my maintenance calories it's like use a calculator but ultimately if you're maintain if you're in a deficit you'll lose weight if you're not then you'll maintain it. and if you're in a surplus you'll gain it's kind of that simple mm. yeah 
Yeah, no, the only thing I was going to say, which you already hit on, was obviously in that scenario, you don't know what the training's like. So she mm -hmm. might need that amount of calories just to maintain. Yeah. Um, you just don't know the intensity at which she's training at. Yeah. I mean, the main compound, the main um, contributor to BMR is body weight. Like that's kind of the main one. And your BMR is like the main proportion of your expenditure. But yeah, there are so many other things in there. I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important not to compare your food and I think actually Rachel didn't Rachel put a post up about that the other day actually and it's something that we've spoken about a lot before on various um, outlets but the what I eat in a day posts are just so detrimental to people in terms of com people comparing against them it's just like a you don't know how honest that is in the first place b you've got absolutely no idea of this person's stats and their neat levels and their activity levels and even if they think they're tracking it all there's still going to be stuff on there that we don't know about mm. um and they're just yeah they're really unhelpful i had this discussion with emma and she was like don't you think maybe they could be helpful in some situations and i was like i just don't think there could be no. i just don't i just don't see where it would be no no <clears throat> everybody's got their own tastes and preferences anyway so what's good is it going to do seeing what someone else is eating yeah i definitely used to do it like when i was competing in the olden days i definitely had done a water year a day oh really i think so like when i was like five six years ago or something like that god can you imagine if i did it and it'd just be like two pictures because that's the only two meals i ate yeah mine today would be like mm. <laughs> i'm not so sure about that oh so this one is this one's come up after she went away for a week and spent time with her family and it's I've been thinking about my struggle with having easy to reach foods at all times I always feel the compulsion to eat whatever has been put on the table I remember the same feeling when people used to work in offices and there was always something in the coffee corner nuts cookies candies etc my question is whether I should create a similar situation in my home, a bowl of candy or trail mix or crackers on the coffee table, or to, to eliminate the novelty of it, or would that be counterproductive? That's a great question. Mm. Um, unless we might, we might differ on this. I, I, it's an interesting, it would be an interesting way to do it, I think, because I understand where she's coming from mm. in the sense of it's, kind of like unconditional permission to eat isn't it it's, it's allowing yourself it what I would say is that it's not a disordered habit to eat things that are in your food environment we know in general even people with norm normal relationship with food like everyone's relationship with food is normal but even if people that you think your relationship with food isn't something you even think about um will eat more if they've got more food in their food environment we know that so don't try not to pathologize it in the sense that there's something wrong with you and um, we all do it um I wouldn't um because I don't think that it's yes it, it being in your in your face so to speak is a trigger but the more mindful that you become with just thinking about like the what is my intent question that like, am I hungry for this question these types of questions the more you train yourself to to have that thought before you eat the easier it will be to not have those foods there because I think that I mean having them there is not going to do any harm but I don't think it's not the issue of the food being there really it's more about you becoming more mindful around it I do understand the logic but I wouldn't say that I would just say over time that 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 will happen and just having that pause where you stop and you say that those kind of questions that we always talk about can be really helpful yeah, no, I completely agree in that it's a great idea and might work for some people, but it's that getting used to questioning, questioning yourself before eating. And I mean, she does a great job of that anyway. It was just a different, like new experience that she needed to try out. Yeah. And you see a lot of people who have, like who live with their families or who have kids and things and they, you know, it's really easy for a a fitness person to be like oh just don't keep this food in the house it's like well you know what I've got a 10 year old child who likes to eat chocolate and it's actually detrimental to their relationship with food if I say I'm not going to keep this food in the house that's not real life for most people mm. actually I was saying this to you wasn't I and I, I, the other day I 
went to the shop for bagels and I came out with bagels, a loaf of bread and like five different share bars of chocolate. And someone DM'd me in response and said something like, you've posted that straight after you've posted about binge eating, lol. And it's like, I, literally, and then someone else had messaged me and said, how long do you think that chocolate is going to last you? And it's like, oh, really? Yeah. And it's like, I have a, like, none of these, no, there's no malice in any of these questions, mm. like messages at all. But it's like, I, when you have a good relationship with food, you don't equate chocolate to binge eating. And it's like anything else. You can have a bag of oats in your cupboard for months, but nobody would be like, I can't believe you've got the bag of oats. And it's like, once you have that neutrality, it doesn't, it's not a thing to have it. Like I've got eight different types of peanut butter in the cupboard and it shouldn't be, it's, I think it's just, and I know it's just, it's um, reflective of obviously my audience and the stuff that we work on. And so it's great that these people follow us, but it's like, you can have a lot of chocolate and not equate it to a binge. And, and I could have eaten all of that chocolate throughout a day and it still wasn't a binge because I was in control of that. I didn't. And a lot of it is still in my fridge, but not all of it. Um, but it's just, it's interesting how people, where people's minds go. Like it's, it's a shame when we, like we associate certain foods with like disordered eating habits or, or binge eating in that sense. And it's like, and then again, there's the comparison thing of like, well, how long would it take you to eat it? Well, how long it takes me to eat this is no reflection of how long it should take you to eat this. Mm. So what does it matter? Yeah, that's a good point. I thought about that the other day because this year, I'm not going to lie, I ate my Easter egg in one day and it was delicious. Mm. But I know when we've worked together, when I was a client of yours, I think one year I didn't even eat it. I made it into brownies and the next year it took me like a month because I'd just pick at it whenever I wanted. Mm. And like you said, this time it wasn't a binge. It was because I just liked it and was in control and kept picking at it throughout the day and that's the thing right it's like you can I think this is what like when you're early on in your journey you try and move away from any of that and it's like I can only eat when I'm hungry and I only eat when I'm full and I can allow myself little bits of this and I'm successful when I only have a little bit of this and yes that's absolutely true like you are successful when you have a little bit of that but as you continue to move forwards it's like you're also successful if you eat an Easter egg in an hour and you enjoy it. You're also successful if you don't eat vegetables for a week, but then you just carry on with your life. Like that's also what success is. I'm like, I can't relate. <laughs> no, I literally, I just said this to my friend. I said at one point I need to eat a vegetable this week, but I did eat broccoli last night. But this is the point. Like when you're having, like, there's certain weeks that are just like this, right? Actually I had mushy peas in my fish supper. I was going to say, yeah, something green. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Um, and obviously we don't do this all the time course but it's just this idea of what a good relationship with food looks like it's not what you think it looks like and it's not what you it's it's overall what you think it looks like like on the whole but there will be some weeks where a good relationship with food looks like eating a hell of a lot of chocolate and not a lot of vegetables because it's you don't feel bad about it and that's the whole point that was a bit of a tangent <laughs> is it um, your question I don't know. I think it might, yeah, maybe. I can't remember the original question. It's, it's, it's probably going to be my question because it's more likely to me me to get my head, let my head fall off. Um. Okay. How to deal with social anxiety in the gym? Oh, hello, friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since I've been like a complete gym newbie that honestly I've been walking around like don't know where anything is, <laughs> don't know anybody. <laughs> um. But personal experience has just been I put my headphones in. I've got my plan of what I want to do and just head down and do it. Mm. Um, because surprisingly, I'm not there to make friends. So. <laughs> Weird that. I, know, hey, right? I, I made a friend in the gym today and I was so buzzed that I text my friend and said I've made a friend in the gym. <laughs> oh so yeah none of us can clearly relate um I think you have to figure out what you're what you're, is it social anxiety like is it about people or is it anxiety around something else um in terms of go back to the gym or covid or your body or you know whatever whatever it may be and then dealing with that um separately I think I 
trying to think of a of a tangible a tangible thing here um I think you have to figure out what it is that's actually causing your anxiety what thoughts are giving you the anxiety and then doing what we would normally talk about um in terms of so I was listening to something recently actually or reading something recently and it was talking about anxiety and it's like is it anxiety is it generalized anxiety disorder that is going on here or is it actually that you feel worried or is it actually that you feel apprehensive or self-conscious like breaking the word anxiety social anxiety down into specifically what it is that you're feeling will allow you to then meet that meet that feeling or move through that feeling so if it's for example you think it's anxiety but actually say oh i'm just a bit insecure okay well what can we do to help with the insecurity side of things you're going to go in with a plan we're going to use all the lists that you're familiar with and you're going to wear your favorite outfit and you're going to put on your music so you've got it all there that's probably going to help your insecurity or you might go with someone that day or you might go when it's quiet or um if you feel worried like what is it specifically that you're worried about okay is that likely how likely is that event that's that's that you're worried about actually going to happen like I'm worried that I run into someone what are the chances of that happening and actually breaking it down into those granular terms can be really helpful and that's not just with anxiety that's with anything and we've spoken about this before this idea of emotional granularity but actually breaking it down and figuring out what it is because anxiety seems like it's a lot to deal with and it's a it's really um a clinical term and it's it's potentially not that it's something else yeah i like the idea of breaking it down like that that's cool why thank you i read that in a book recently <laughs> she'll have to try it out if it <laughs> crops up <laughs> um although i like to believe that i give myself unconditional permission to eat i often still find myself restricting i think sometimes it's difficult to draw the line between restricting and making conscious decisions towards my health goals for example, if I'm at a coffee shop, I always drool over the pastries, fun coffee drinks, etc. But I never allow myself to buy any of these. Um, instead, always go for the almond milk option, which is delicious, don't get me wrong. But I guess my question is how to understand the balance between making decisions from a place of compassion and self-love or making food decisions based off restriction and fear? Oh, another great question. All of these are great questions tonight. Um, I think we see that quite a lot, but you know, know yeah. it is true. We don't lie. Um, that's a really good question. Sometimes I think it is a case of saying, well, what do I want? Mm. And I know that sounds really simplified, but genuinely, if you, have, if you value health, you're not going to want to eat only pastries all day for your, for your whole life. You might want to eat a pastry every single day, and that's actually completely fine. If that's what you like, if that's what you genuinely want, because what you'll find is you'll eat a pastry and then you'll say, "Great, that was delicious. I honoured what I really wanted, and I was mindful, and now I can go on, on about my day," and that's healthy. Like I think the key is in that question where she said, um, "My health goals," and if we look at health, health is not about eating quote unquote micronutrient dense foods or healthful foods. Health is balance health is like an 80 20 like allowing those foods in health is being able to go and pick up food on the go and not to be preoccupied with it and so often when you you could spend that whole queue time in the coffee shop looking and thinking I really want that I really want that I really want that and then afterwards thinking I just wish I just got that that's a preoccupation with food that we would say that's probably not a healthful preoccupation with food to have what actually would be helpful in that situation is to go I want that food I'm going to have that food I'm going to enjoy that food and then I'm going to move on and so I think really looking at health in a much more holistic way rather than micronutrients there are so many contributors to that um that's one thing to keep in mind um and yeah I think it's about releasing the idea that eating that giving yourself that you can't trust what you want like yes we've all made errors in the past and we think we want something and they turn out to be assholes but you know that that like don't fall back on your old old self so to speak in terms of what you might have done before when you if I don't know who this client is but obviously like if you used to overeat for example you can often have carry that narrative on that says when I give myself what I want I overeat on it and actually that's that's not where you're at now you're working on unconditional permission to eat you're more mindful you're on this journey 
give yourself the evidence that says when I give myself permission to eat what I want I still mostly choose healthful options you might do like me and Alison weeks and not eat a vegetable and that's okay because overall it's healthful Mm. yeah and I think as well it's important to remember that even if you do opt for the pastries and stuff that doesn't mean to say that you're going to eat it all or that you eat it all in one go um all in one day I mean sometimes they last you a couple of days because you get that taste and you're satisfied and that's it Mm. yeah absolutely I don't know how often that's ever happened to me but the option is always there (laughs) it's there it's there. <laughs> it, it is there it does happen um I remember I used to um one of the things that I used to struggle to be mindful with was the tear and share cinnamon bun from um Tesco have you ever had that yes <laughs> many occasions isn't it just like heaven I'd say it's up there with some of the f- best cinnamon buns I've ever had oh that's a that's a big big shout I know but they're so doughy and, mm, they're so good when I was having cinnamon in Dubai I was like is this is this better than a Tesco one? And it was, mm. but that's the only one I found that's better. Um, but I remember that was the food that I would I would you get four in a pack, and I was introduced to it when I was competing. And whenever I allowed myself to have it, like I could eat four cinnamon buns like straight off. And I remember the first day that I ate one, and then I was like, oh my god, just eating one cinnamon bun. And then I remember once I bought a whole pack pack of four, I forgot that they were in the cupboard. That was actually quite recently. And I was like, oh, what a waste of money that was. <laughs> I did feed them to the birds. But like you you do, like, yeah, you get used to it. Again, it's like with anything with unconditional permission to eat you, the novelty does wear off eventually. Um, okay. This is probably quite, potentially relevant i've actually not read full full question but i think it is um i have got a few things planned in the next week where i'm starting to meet up with people again and i'm having feelings of anxiety about seeing friends or people i know who i have not seen in a long time since i've gained weight and feeling i need to explain and justify this it's related to a difficult time with my mental health due to family that not all of them know about thankfully i'm in a better mental place now um I now realize I'm justifying it to you now um and even to myself I know I should just accept the current situation and what I'm working on but I still get half of a feeling of looking forward to see them and then half of this nervous apprehensiveness any advice in this area would be appreciated excellent breakdown of anxiety by the end of that question (laughs) that was noted absolutely um they're not gonna care (laughs) to be blunt they're just not going to care and I think it's important to ask yourself would you notice or make comment on any of your friends if the same had happened to them and chances are it's a great big no um the fact that you are working through whatever you're you're working through right now is a massive achievement and to hear that you're in a better place already um and if any talk does start to come up that you're not feeling comfortable with then there's loads of options to to change the subject and if they're close friends say that you don't feel comfortable talking about it because it doesn't need to be a thing and it's kind of a projection of your own worries that you're putting out onto them yeah I think that's the thing isn't it it's like often it's a it's an internalized judgment that we are just putting it onto other people rather than saying this is actually the judgment that I'm putting on myself. It's easier to put it onto other people. Um, what I would say is that in our culture, there are people that, that feel it's okay to comment on your bodies and you know we don't invalidate that. And we've all been in situations where people have commented on our bodies before. We're not saying that that's never gonna happen, but it, it is a lot of this internalized, internalized fear, I think. I mean, ultimately, you've got you've got an option here to say, I'm not going to go. And you're going to put your your internalized judgment first. And I, and I understand. But do you want to put that before seeing your friends? And if the answer is no, I want to see my friends. It's like right right now, it's not the situation that's causing you stress. It's not the situation that's causing you apprehension. It's what you're telling yourself that's not even true. That's going to come come from that situation um for all you know that's not going to happen and then you get home that night and you say I've spent a week feeling crap about myself and being nervous about this and not a single thing was said 
and you've almost just put yourself on the back foot even though that's not reality I think you know a good thing to do is and Anna you shared an awesome post about this the other day but it was more in relation to diet but have an idea in your head that says right okay well if someone if someone does make a, a, a comment on my body then this is what I'm going to say and Anna you put your post was what were your three options again on your post you were talking about dieting but um changing the subject entirely telling them uh that you don't feel comfortable talking about it or just reaffirming what you're doing and that you're happy with that mm. and that's that yeah so it's about having like a strategy that says this is how I'll handle it um and and I think we maybe spoke about that on the podcast as well last week actually but it's having strategy in place and then also if they don't mention it and if it's more like a fear of what they might think then that's that's true of any any part of any life in like anything at any time like you could walk into the gym and someone could think oh she's I can see her gray hair or oh I've seen her on social media and she seems like a boring asshole or whatever it is like you know it's it's funny that we always go to weight like I'm scared that they're going to comment on my body and it's like why are we so concerned that they're going to comment on our body what about our job choices what about the fact that we're single or married or what clothes we're wearing it's like it's always body weight because that's what we feel is the most important thing but actually most people probably don't think that and I'm not even going to go into the fact that it's mostly women in the patriarchy we're not going to go there but that's what where we always go right and it's like if someone's thinking you've gained weight if they don't vocalize it who cares what they think it's just is what it is and you can carry on about your life is it is my turn now <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, I just end up listening to him and then I'm like I forgot where I'm at <laughs> at least someone is listening that's fine um oh so this is a bit of a while ago actually when it first came out I don't know if you've seen it but this client's watched Seaspiracy oh yeah um and she says I understand it's biased with veganism just wondered if any of you guys have watched it or have uh, or are going to change anything that you do in your diet I've swapped my omega-3 from fish to omega-3 from algae I guess because they're the same thing and it misses out the middleman of fish mm. I don't think there's the same in terms of bioavailability quality mm-hmm. FYI but that's really not that's neither here nor there to be totally honest um have you watched it I have not watched it, but I am just thinking it's like pretty apt in the fact that it's World Earth Day, isn't it? Of course it is, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, so I haven't watched it either, but we spoke about it on EIQ Nutrition um, because someone else was asking about it and I'd done a little bit of research into the research and a lot of, some of it was true, Um some of it was based on research that has since been updated and either disputed or kind of brought back in terms of like what's actually really going on. So I think there was like a mandate that's that was published and it was there, but has since been um, disputed. That's the right term. Um, from what I know, this is very much surface level. I I I um saw a few people talking about it and there was a lot of discussion about it being racist and oh, I don't, yeah and I don't know enough about it but I think it was to do with the um, population groups that were being kind of attacked and I say attacked but kind of the subject of seaspiracy um, and it was yeah there's quite a lot of backlash against that in terms of the racist components to it which was um, interesting and, and I, like I say I haven't watched it so I can't really comment on it um and I don't really think do you know what I don't think there's any harm in changing some of your behaviors based on on Netflix documentaries if they're not extreme behaviors you know like when what was the one that came out game changer that came out that was just completely incorrect yeah but the the problem is is how do you know what's incorrect and not what not right that was just obscene but um this one I think is kind of just um sensationalist as opposed to like incorrect we know we know that to support the climate we have to eat less meat and eat less fish we know that um 
I will, I have not changed anything. A, because I've not watched it, but B, like I don't like obviously I have fish and chips tonight, but like in general, I don't really eat fish and meat anymore. Like I would say I probably eat fish or meat once a month or something like that. So I I don't and I eat dairy and stuff, but I'm not gonna sacrifice my health um and my my ease of eating because I would have to plan so much more in advance to eat completely plant-based to take away all of that stuff yeah no I completely agree in that I try and be as mindful as possible and make good choices that are going to help the environment but I mean I've not changed my omega-3s just because well I've not watched it but I don't plan on changing them um yeah because like you said meat wise fish wise I don't eat a lot um and yeah dairy I'm not I'm not going plant-based for that not at all. <laughs> yeah, dairy is too good <laughs> yeah and I think I think with all of this stuff in terms of climate change it's about doing what it's about doing like the stuff that's feasible for you that is not just ridiculous either like expensive or really difficult for you then to support your own health um like like there are so many things we can like that we can do i know my friend said my friend who's a massive carnivore emptied all the meat and fish out of her diet for her tesco shop for that week and she said i don't know if i'll ever do it again but even if it's a week so i was like just reduce it a little bit over time and she was like i'm sure i'll do that too i'm like okay so I think we can only do what's accessible to us. And I don't think, I never think going exclusively doing something is, is particularly helpful. No, on a side note, I've found a waste-free refill shop where I live. So that's where I've been getting my shampoos and stuff. It is super cool in there. Oh, that's amazing. I've seen those on TV. Yes, I'm very happy with that find. Yeah. Is that Loughborough? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, really cute little shop that I drove by. And you know when you drive by, like have to keep looking as you go. I was like, yeah. I have to come back and check that out. Oh, that's genius. I don't yeah. think I have anything like that around here. But I am going to get a hybrid or an electric car. So I feel like that's oh. my contribution. Yeah, putting it off because I'm scared of getting an electric car in case I break down somewhere and I don't know how to do it. I'm bad enough with my pet like my petrol. <laughs> um okay. If you feel like you've slipped away from healthy habits due to lots of change in life, relocation, friends, family, relationships, etc., what would be your focus to bring yourself back to being on the path that you want that aligns with health and values, etc., in terms of nutrition and training? Oh, that's yeah. Hi, friend. Again, <laughs> um, personally, the last month my nutrition and trainings pretty much gone to shit I'm not gonna lie um I had two weeks where I just ate beige food which was um yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but I think for me it got to the point where I just wasn't feeling good in myself um and I knew I know deep down the foods that make me feel good and training and movement makes me feel good um and sometimes it's that like you said um the the kind of like firmer side of self-compassion where this is what you've got to do to look after yourself and make you feel good because mm. I think on this team we're all pretty good now with the softer side and knowing when we need to take a take a step back and take it easy um so sometimes it is just a bit of having a word with yourself and knowing deep down what you've got to do yeah I think I someone said this to me on one of the lives Georgina said this to me on one of the lives I did with her and Danny and she said you're a lot stricter than I thought you were in terms of coaching (laughs) I was like I probably am because no one's going to do this shit for you like at some point the most compassionate thing you can do is show up for yourself and do the work that needs to be done and, and I say this to her and I was like, that's why my coaching team gets the best results in the country for what we do, because we we are hard sometimes and we're strict sometimes. And that comes from a place of compassion. It doesn't come from a place of us wanting to get results. It's, it comes from a place of us wanting people to get the results that they want. And it's like in terms of their health. Um, so I do, I think, I think 
there's a there's a space for it right there's a space for saying I'm going to spend two weeks and eat beige food and that's okay like sometimes it's more than that that's totally okay but it comes to the point where and you have to give your space for that I think often we try and rush out of that we yeah. say right well I've given myself a week now and I've only eaten beige food that's it like it's Monday I need to sort my stuff out and it's like you know what maybe it's not right now maybe it's another week maybe it's another week on top of that like don't you don't have to rush out of that especially if you're really busy and you've got other things going on but at some point if you're feeling really crappy in yourself it's like okay well now I'm like no one is coming along to meditate for me or to like like give me some yogurt for my lunch or whatever it is like no one's coming to do that for me I need to do it for myself and I think that's some I think that's sometimes missed in the compassionate side of things not by clients but in general like the showing up for yourself part because we talk about encouraging your feelings and stuff and it's like yes feel your feelings but don't drown in them don't feel and reflect and introspect so much that you forget to feel the lightness and forget to feel find the gratitude in things and forget to do the things that make you feel good about yourself like you want to feel the whole spectrum and it can be really easy especially when you first start I think to get sucked into like the really heavy stuff and that this is only happening to me stuff and it's like it's not it might be happening to you right now and I think yeah I think sometimes like you said you have to kind of go right this is what makes me feel good and it doesn't I think when you've when life is sweet and chill it's so easy to be like I'm meditating and this feels good because nothing comes up in my head because I'm just I'm just so sane and it's easy to eat relatively well and and when you eat pizza not to binge on it all, all these things are easy when life is going great but it's when life hits you like a truck that you have to go right this is when this is what all of my work has come to this point I can let it slip a little bit There's certain little things that I could do with keeping in but just like as long as you get the, the basics in there you can ride through and then pick up, up everything 100% again once you're out of the other side but um yeah like you said sometimes you, like, give yourself the space but at some point you need to go right this is what I need whatever that looks like yeah definitely that reminded me when you were talking about how uh, Georgina said that you were strict I always remember you trying to be strict with me I'm like this is your third morning now <laughs> <laughs> okay I mean I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't have done what I needed to do yeah. <laughs> I, then I, was like, I need to get my shit together <laughs> I think when I, I think when I coached you like obviously that was what like two years ago or something so I probably was so much less hard than I am now whereas now like it's one of my clients the other day I think I said this I was like you don't do this you have to do 100 burpees and like there's no choice like yeah I mean there's a line isn't there oh yeah definitely (laughs) that was enough for me to be like no giving me a third strike (laughs) yeah sometimes it's required um so not sure if this would be helpful to anyone I'm quite an introvert and wondered if you'd worked with many other clients who were before. Um, are there any links between introversion and relationship with food and self? I've Googled it and found all sorts of answers, as you can imagine. Well, I mean, <laughs> me and Anna don't know anything about introverts, do we? No, 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 nothing no, at nothing all. Nothing all. Oh, awkward. Um, obviously, we're both giant introverts, let's be honest. <laughs> sailed through lockdown (laughs) absolute breeze (laughs) talking of social anxiety um no um do you know what okay so I don't know the research behind relationships with food and and introverts um if anything I would potentially have thought it was the opposite in the sense of introverts are often quite um self-reflective I mean this is generalizing right but quite self-reflective because they spend time on their own they let themselves sit with things etc often and I could be completely wrong on this this is just observation or guessing I suppose whereas extroverts often are surrounded by people they don't have necessarily the time to be present and to sit with themselves and to work through things and but then at the same time introverts if you're if you're spending more time on your own and you do have a lot going on then you are more likely to turn to things that you've got in the house to distract yourself like food um and if your feelings are very overwhelming as an introvert and you don't have the 
desire to go out and party and be around other people to distract yourself then you're more likely to pick solo activities and that might be things like food and exercise so I guess it I guess that's why she's googled it and it's come up with so many mm. different things mm. but well I don't know about you but I do work with quite a few fellow introverts as well yeah, mm. yeah me too actually me too I think it probably can work both ways I don't know I don't oh know. yeah yeah definitely yeah I'm just trying to think if there would be any like more obvious links. I don't think I can't think of any really. Good question though. Mm. I like that. I'm going to go and research it. Um, okay. I'm feeling the pressure to go out. Um, I'm worried that I'll look like a loser for not going out and I also don't feel prepared in terms of what she was talking about was in terms of like logistic stuff like clothing and all of that stuff so and she's also she's also dieting so she's trying to balance the pressure to go out the perception of not going out and the idea that she's actually not physically ready to go out isn't it funny we've had a year to get ready to go out and then it's like oh my god we're going out what do I wear <laughs> it um hi dog <laughs> good I, I didn't know whether you'd be able to hear him crying outside the door no I couldn't hear um, him but I'm enjoying watching him <laughs> so ultimately it's kind of you do you isn't it um whoever it is knows that from working with you that they can still go out and be mindful and eat if if eating or drinking's on the cards then they can still do that and work towards their dieting goals equally they can go out and not have anything because they're making that choice yeah um and that <laughs> has to be don't you think like it's like it doesn't have to be like i value social or i value fat like my goals it's like no, no, you could still drop body fat over time and still go to all of these events. Like it's not a fixed, you have to pick one or the other. It's a, it's just like, this is important to me and this is important to me. I hold space for both. And sometimes I'll go out and have a good time. And maybe that week, like I'll be at maintenance for the week, but realistically, even to get to maintenance on a night out for the whole week, you'd, you'd still be eating and drinking like uh, more than potentially a kind of standard like drinks in a pub garden type situation yeah so it takes quite a quite a decent amount to get you out of a deficit if you're in a deficit for the week so it's not like you're saying I don't value my goals when I ha when I have social times it's just like okay well this is like a few extra like this might be another day of dieting like yeah yeah I mean that's how I've got a client who's currently dieting and obviously as the world's opened up again we wanted to make sure that socializing because we've worked so hard on improving a relationship with food that that stays in there yeah. and like you said it is a case of going well these are my values this is what I need to do that aligns with them and she's had some days where she sticks with dieting macros and some days because like you said on the whole throughout the week throughout the month she's still creating a deficit one day here and there isn't a big deal yeah absolutely and again if we look at health overall like fat loss isn't a measure of health especially if you're like in a if, you're, if your health isn't compromised by your body fat levels your health actually doesn't is no reflection of your fat loss and actually socializing is socializing is a marker of your health um and lower food preoccupa preoccupation is a marker of your health so it's mm -hmm. like again taking a step back and being like what actually is really important to me health is really important to me and and socializing is part of that like we know if anything from the last year how much people's health even ours has been impacted by that level of isolation yeah also i put jeans on for the first time on friday night last week and do you know it took me 25 minutes to pick an outfit 25 and do you know what i wore jeans and a t-shirt was it jeans and a nice top <laughs> it was not even a nice top it was a t-shirt i mean it was a nice t-shirt but it was a t-shirt and i was like that took me 25 minutes that's that's shocking oh uh, i'm not ready for hard clothes yet i'm not i'm not going there oh, these are like five-year-old really stretchy jeans like really stretchy jeans i keep them for that they're like jeggings no i've not 
not done that not ready for that I'll stick with the stick well, with the soft clothes <laughs> I did regret it when I was sweating 25 minutes in trying to take off a pair of jeans <laughs> not gonna lie um oh. okay do you have any more do you have one more to finish on uh yes I mean I know we're what a couple of weeks out but as we missed a few uh, weeks of this let's have this one uh what positives have you had from lockdown this time around oh god yeah we're a whole other round of it aren't we <laughs> yes um i've got really good at yoga i'm gonna say it i mean i know it's <sighs> annoying how good you've got <laughs> did you see my side crow i've been trying to practice that one for a while um i am jealous i'm not gonna lie <laughs> thanks I deliberately I have to do it off my mat so that I face plant onto the mat because you know I paid a lot of money for my nose and I'm very mindful of falling on my face <laughs> um so I'm quite proud of I'm quite proud of my yoga skills um what about you <laughs> let me mull over some more what about you I um I will hands up admit that I still have occasions where I'm quite subconscious about my skin hmm. and I think obviously in lockdown I've not really because you're not going anywhere I've not really worn any makeup um and I kind of nailed a really good skincare routine and feel a lot more comfortable in it so this week going back to the gym and it's been quite nice in the fact that I feel comfortable and it, it was a bit of a challenge this week going back out and doing stuff not wearing any makeup but I was like no deep down you feel good in this so let's keep that going that's amazing that's a really big one and mm. you know what's funny is that earlier on in the podcast I thought you looked really fresh and glowy and I just hadn't said it to you like your cheek like, yeah <laughs> so that's cool um that is a really nice win a really nice win um I'm gonna be honest I'm kind of struggling I've I've, <laughs> I, I've appreciated the amount of time I've had to work like mm. I've really I've done a lot of therapy. I've done my actual therapy classes, like learning. I've worked a lot, changed the structure of the business. I've like, for me, this lockdown has been very, 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 very work heavy. Um, and that's fine. Like I've, and I've appreciated that because it still meant I can take some, like most of my weekends off. So I've still kept my boundaries with it. But um, I, I've had, and I've kind of had an outcome at the end of it in terms of how things have changed a little bit. So that's been good for me. So they're really boring. Exciting times for the team. It is exciting times for the team. It's also exciting times for your skin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And now it's summer almost. And so it's like a whole new year. Me and my friend celebrated New Year on the 1st of April. That's, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, we were fair. like, before that it was like 2020, 2020.5. Now we're in 2021. <laughs> Well, we've got like provisional dates for lockdown birthdays and Christmases when we couldn't see each other. Oh, nice. So they're, they're still provisional, obviously, but going to get those in real soon, I think. Great idea. Great idea. Um, okay. Thanks for your questions, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.